Welcome to another episode of our Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Ash, and this is a show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. In this episode, I talked to co-founder of Kizer Community, a visionary leader and entrepreneur with a passion for nurturing innovation and fostering growth in the startup world. As the former head of product team at a prestigious global accelerating brand, superheaded transformative initiative, collaborating with thousands of series A pre-seed startups. His dedication to understanding the needs of these founders led him to personally engage with hundreds of them, gaining valuable insights into their pain and points and desires for support throughout their journey. With his boundless enthusiasm for fostering collaboration and fostering relationships, Vaz Leadership at Gilder aims to redefine the way entrepreneurs support and uplift one another. Through his unparalleled exercise, he is empowering individuals to unlock their full potential, fueling the next wave of groundbreaking innovations and transforming ventures. Join us for this amazing talk. So I hope you enjoy it. Okay, Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Ash. I appreciate the uh, the nice introduction on on your end. Awesome. Do you have a favorite quote, something that inspires or motivates you that you can share with us? Good question. You know, maybe not a specific quote, but I, I kind of have a saying that I like, and um, a lot of it comes to the process of motivation, right? And just not giving up and being able to kind of, as as an entrepreneur, life and anything, right? A lot of challenges we're kind of faced with on a daily basis. And so being able to power through that and that that was some of the best advice I've got just to kind of, you know, go through every hurdle, keep going and keep going and keep going and pushing. And if eventually you hit the wall and there's no path forward, right? That's, you know, explore new ventures, but that that's the path of the entrepreneur and it's been a, a good ride so far. Yeah, totally agree with that. Okay, great. So, so tell us about Kinder and what does the community is for? Who is it for? And what what's the main problem you're trying to solve um, among the founders? Yeah, so with Gilder, the, the biggest thing that we looked at, right, there's really no shortage, if you look at it, of entrepreneurial communities out there. And that's those that are geared towards that kind of, we call them almost the 1% of founders, right, with multiple billions in annual current revenue, multiple exits, multiple raises, phenomenal communities, right, in their in their own sense, but really that kind of excludes that other 98, 99% of communities out there uh, or entrepreneurs out there. And then you kind of look at the flip side, right? And you see a lot of these, some of these Reddit communities or Discord communities or kind of group communities with tens or hundreds of thousands of members also have their place, right? But you kind of pop your head in and a lot of times it's just, it's just groups of people selling each other or uh, quote unquote pretend subject matter experts, if you will, or people with their own soapbox. And uh, again, there, there's a place for all these different types of communities, but for us, it was really to kind of put together and put a place where we could focus on our two main values, which are community for all and meaningful connections, right? A lot of what LinkedIn was geared to be when it first started, where you connected with people you know, right? People you met in the office or at a networking event you actually worked with. A lot of it now, rightfully so, right? Get a LinkedIn is, is a pretty powerful sales tool, but I'm sure you or our people listening have, have gotten their fair share of virtual assistants or uh, SEL, generally, I think. Yeah. It's fine, but again, 
how do we kind of create this place where you're actually developing meaningful connections with people you want to meet like-minded people um, for the mutual benefit, right? To, to be lifelong learners. And so that was really the thesis of Gilder when we put it together to be this place community in its purest form. Awesome. Awesome. And then Brian also, um, I think our listeners and I personally, you know, eager to learn more about the person behind this, this, uh, this innovative community. Can you take us back to your roots and share with our listeners about your upbringing, your childhood, how did you, of your early experiences shape your journey and eventually led you to become the visionary, you know, entrepreneur who supports other entrepreneurs and and were there any key influences from your family or surroundings that played a significant role in shaping your entrepreneur spirit? You know, we, we, we would love to hear more about the foundation that set you on this incredible path. Sure. Yeah, happy to. And then very kind words with the visionary, probably a little too advanced there. But, you know, for me, it's kind of your point. It's fun, right? Community, whatever you're building, whether you're an insure tech or fintech or IOT, CPG, just there's so many amazing people to connect with and learn from. And for me, community was kind of that central focus point and, and not necessarily being that super connector, but finding individuals that want to be engaged, right? That want to go out there and learn, especially since, you know, we've, we've kind of gotten back to a, a more in-person feel, which is great, but COVID changed a lot of that for a few years. And I think that the virtual world is still here to stay for a while. But for me, uh, Growing up, right, I grew up in New York, both my just north of the city. So I want I won't pretend to to pretend to say I'm from Manhattan or anything, but grew up in Westchester, just north. Both my parents, uh, mother worked at Kraft uh, and finance. My my dad was an engineer at IBM. Both had phenomenal careers, right, working there 20, 30 plus years. Um, more of you know some of our parents' generation to kind of work at the same company, which is great, and really set a good foundation to to have you know a, a comfortable life and be able to kind of explore some of these opportunities I see today. And so through that, moved to Chicago um, during school, right, right, essentially my freshman year of high school, and have kind of lived on and off there. I've lived in Boston, lived in Cincinnati, a few other cities for work. But uh, I went to Purdue University in West Lafayette to study political science and entrepreneurship. So kind of varying uh, degrees, if you will. But that was really where I got my first stint into the concept of you know, pitch competitions and really just exploring basic product market fit and a lot of those opportunities and what makes an entrepreneur, you know, find a problem, right? And, and, and find something to solve it or try to build something to solve it. And so once I graduated, I spent a lot of time in CPG. That was kind of where my career began at the Hershey Company, then Ferrara Candy, Ferrara Group, and uh, dabbled into, I guess, my first true entrepreneurial forays on, on the small business side, at least, if you're familiar with escape rooms. I had opened up our current flagship, which we still hold to this day, with a business partner um, and a good friend, Bonnet, up in Evanston by Northwestern. Opened up a few more throughout the country and really kind of got the experience to, one, work from like the customer success side, but two, just, just build things that people ideally wanted to use, right? Maybe not as, quote-unquote, uh, life-changing as some things that people are building in healthcare, health tech, but again, just a fun experience and that kind of helped me pivot into kind of wanting to do more entrepreneurial things. And so through that, joined a confectionery startup and led us to create my first, I guess, true tech or tech-enabled startup called Romely, 
which is really our tech uh, engagement space, advertising space, and that and still operates to this day, right? So I'm still co-founder there. But through that journey and speaking with VCs and then accelerators and understanding our own path for our company, that's where I got connected to my most recent role as an accelerator. Uh, I just had a product called the accelerator before we closed up back in May. And really, and taking a lot of learnings from what we did with Rolly back 2019, 2020, before COVID, uh, to really all the roles throughout my career led me to kind of this and my co-founders, Tiger Gamel and Michael Frank at Gilder, really what we wanted to solve and how we wanted to help, not just entrepreneurs, right, but innovators, executives, mentors, any creators, anyone looking to do something and really step in on their own and, and try and solve a problem. So that kind of led us to, to where we are today and hoping to continue that support and success of entrepreneurs around the globe. Awesome. Awesome. That's really good. Uh, by the way, I love escape rooms. <laughs> All the time for keeping the negative vibes and all. Yeah. Do you uh, do you have a lot? I, mean, I know there's a ton at London. Do you have a favorite theme, or what's one of the most fun ones you've done? Well, I think the last one we went to was uh, a mummy, which comes out of the uh, thing, the coffin, and we have like a sixty-five minutes to make sure that we stop the ball to bust and with all the tools and everything. If we don't, then before uh, the 60 minute alarm skate, the the mummy comes out of the coffin and then he has to bind his feet so that he can reach to half of the room. So basically half of the room is out of your reach because then I left and then and, and then in the last five minutes you have to do something to get out of the room. So that was fun. That was fun. Okay. I did good. Yeah. It's cool being they like rooms that have like live actors in it. And I know some people really love it, some people don't, but I think the actors kind of makes it fun, whether it's like mummy or a zombie or, or different things like that. It adds to the theming, right? So glad yeah. uh, glad you enjoyed them. Awesome. Awesome. So so let's talk about where the story begins. Where did the idea for Killer came to you and your co founder? And um what it took to date? A proper shape right now what it is in but what what's we done from the start of getting the idea into brain and you know getting in shape yeah uh, great question and and really a lot of that goes down to i think my first startup right which was Romley back in 20 really 2017 2018 when we first started conceptualizing it and so with that that really was yeah, i was pretty young but let's call it 25 24, early 20s in my first foray into the tech entrepreneurship side of it. And a lot of it was figuring out, and actually that was even earlier, right back in like 2015, but we were trying to figure out, hey, like, okay, we want to do this. We, we think there's a problem to be solved. We know that people through surveys uh, and just talking with friends and other coworkers want something like this, but is there true, what's the market for, right? How do we even start it, right? What's the, the process? A lot of it, what you see on, not necessarily just podcasts, but you see the media today, it's like, oh yeah, right. You, you find a problem, you you raise a bunch of money, right? You you ideally scale, you IPO and you pay your investors back and then you are a, a multi-millionaire, right? And I think yeah. that current right is obviously a very, uh, not dated, but is a very different uh, reality for majority of entrepreneurs out there, right? And majority of entrepreneurs, that's not why they're doing it. And not to speak for any other people, but you have obviously a big subset who are, are just genuinely want to identify a problem 
want to fix it, want to improve that process for others and businesses and make things better, right? Um, and for me, it was as we were kind of starting out that journey, we didn't quite know who to lean on because uh, our own network and our own friend group or family group, right? A lot of them had have phenomenal careers, but hadn't yet really dabbled into the entrepreneurial side for us to kind of be able to pick their brain or know how to start. And so we obviously just through the, the wonders of the internet, were able to kind of learn on our own and, and kind of take it to where it is today. But that really kind of started the idea of, hey, that there should be a place for this, right? That of people that we know we can trust then. Again, there were entrepreneurial communities out there too. Um, a lot that are either, hey, you have these kind of exorbitant uh, admission fees, right? Or, or five-figure join fees and things like that. And others, you just don't know who to trust. So that kind of started the concept of it. And then really when we did officially launch this back in June of 2023, the the big thing for us was, again, kind of following that concept of myself, Tyga, and, and Michael were talking. Uh, Michael's an established, he's sold a couple of his companies. He, he's been a mentor and sits on many advisory boards. Tyga himself has also worked uh, at multiple SaaS companies and, and raised for his own startup within the past few years. And so we were kind of coming together and that, that story that I just described, right, was a common trait that we saw, not just in ourselves, but for Michael too, and a lot of the, the companies and founders he advised and mentored. So for us was that exact thought process of, hey, why don't we create something like that, right? We've got uh, enough of networks and people we've worked with and met throughout our, our careers to be able to kind of build this. And, and a lot of people had reached out to us, quite frankly, as well asking us for something, hey, it's something like we saw you put these events together and these different workshops, like, can we get more of that, right? And so we kind of took that feedback and and brainstormed and shopped it around a bit and, and led to where we are today, at least in terms of scaling builder. Awesome. Amazing story. And you, that also proves that, you know, you already have gone through basics of uh, understanding how the communities work in terms of these longer-led uh, you know, supporting goals for each other. Um, so, but when you when you when you were um, thinking about starting this community, did you look into the space where there are other communities? What was going on at the time? And what did you see in your approach which differentiate or encouraged you to move forward with Gilder? Considering, um, you know, like when you start startup, you have a USP. So, what's basically Gilder's USP? Yeah, and a lot of that goes to what communities are currently doing. We're not even just communities, right? Whether it's an accelerator, whether it's it's what have you, right? And for us, you see a lot of people try to do too much at times, and I think that's kind of what we learned from, at least what I learned from my first startup, was wanting to try and create something that this, hey, that this TAM is a $2 billion market and you know we can get in front of everyone. And I think for us, it was just finding, not even a niche, but who are the people that really, really could use this and provide the most value to that? Yes, of course, if you, you know, we're not an accelerator, right? If you need to learn it and kind of your curriculum and things like that, plenty of other amazing ones out there, right? To, to benefit. We're not necessarily to introduce you to investors, right? Or to be able, or like to put you in front of people, right? You have plenty of broker dealers and other people and other, you know, firms or services that can do that. For us, it was how do we create something in its purest form of community that yes, there's others out there like it, but again, that can kind of try to do too much. For us, it's time is one of the most valuable things that we have, right? And there's we, so there's certainly no shortage of YouTube videos or books or podcasts or content out there for people to, to read and, and learn on their own. But for us, is how do we create stuff that's relevant to them? 
that's not necessarily education where it's just someone kind of talking at you, maybe in a professor or teacher sense, but truly interactive coaching where you can put your pitch deck live um, and have someone review and have other people, similar other founders review it, right? Where you can go and share your website or PR materials, right? And have folks that are experienced and that actually work through it with you live. And so how do we create this system of really interactive coaching that people want and can get a lot of value from? And likewise, right, with your a 20-year-old entrepreneur or 60-year-old entrepreneur, right? It, to me, it's, again, it's not about age as we look at it. It's always about the experience. And so the idea is that mentors uh, of any experience or age can learn from their mentees and vice versa and create this two-way street of lifelong learning. So that way, in going back to your original question, right, of what sets us apart, it's truly people that want to work for the benefit of one another, right? And kind of that rising tide lifts all boats, lifts all ships motto, instead of, right, just people out there trying to sell others or pitch their stuff and, and for the self-benefit, self-preservation, right? We want to make sure that there is that truly cohesive environment for people to engage and feel comfortable to engage um, without harassment or judgment or something like that. Yeah, yeah I get that. You know, I I run my couple of company communities locally in London. And what we do is we meet up every once in a month, like in a bar or a, a place where we, you know, book the wing, et cetera. But essentially the value comes out where people meet and they talk to each other. Oh, I don't know this bit, and I would like to learn more from you. And uh, would you be able to help me? Would you be able to give me some of your time, etc.? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I'm proud to say that some of the events were so successful that people met in the event and they actually became co-owners. So that's great, isn't it? That's the value of of communities, isn't it? Hundred percent, right? And and that's kind of what it comes down to. Where you look at, it doesn't have to be like. It ideally should be very organic, right? And and certain things can be forced in the sense of, hey, put someone in the same room just to meet. But the best things are, again, if it's not the right fit, then there's no harm, no foul, right? People just move on. Otherwise, if people really want to actively engage, then they will. And, and to your point of seeing that within your own communities, finding co-founders, finding team members, finding other people to collaborate with, that that's what it's all about. And I think being able to be that person or that team to help connect and find others who want to do the same thing, that that's the most fun thing for for us, at least in terms of how we evaluate the business. Awesome. Great. So um, could you give us the our listeners a sense of how a uh, sense of the community, how many mentors you have and what kind of all um uh, what kind of topics you cover every there? Sure. Yeah, I mean, we've got about 100 members right now for starting about a month, a month and a half ago. And for us, that's a combination to, and a lot of people will say, communities shouldn't necessarily be hierarchical, right? Everyone is is there because they can learn from each other. They can provide value to each other. And it depends on yeah. the community. Of course, you have a lot of, whether it's a sports community, a religious community, a nonprofit or entrepreneurial community everyone should be able to be on the same level to drive value. And for us, as we have members and mentors, mentors should be learning just as much for the members and vice versa. And so for us, a lot of that has been this inbound referrals and contacts reaching out to us through email, LinkedIn. And, and it's really great, right? Because for us, is we want to be very thoughtful in the members and mentors that we're bringing on or that are joining the community. And that's why everyone's very heavily vetted, right? It's a very white glove program for each person, 
whether you're a mentor, whether you're a member, what are you looking to get out of it? Well, how can Gilder and the community help drive value to you in terms of what you're looking for, whether that's career growth or partnerships or developing a certain subset of your company and how, how to take it to the next level. So there's really no right or wrong way to do community as I see it. There, there certainly are some wrong ways, so don't take that as verbatim, but there's definitely a lot. Uh, a community is what you make of it. It's what the members make of it. And so that's, to me, why communities are so unique because it's the subset of the individuals that actually drive the experience. And whether you have a thousand sports communities about the Chicago Bears or whatever, um, and you have entrepreneurial communities, each one is different, even if they're kind of providing similar value. Um, but that's why it's for us and Gilda to make sure that every member, every mentor that joins, we're creating a white glove experience for them. So that way we know how we can continue to drive value as, as long as they re remain in the community. Awesome. awesome. And and tell me more uh, about, let's say for example, if a startup joins Gilda community, what's the process, first of all, to uh, get into the community? Is there a, um application form they have to fill and then they have to go through the interview process? Uh, how does it work? And then I would like to jump bridges the topics and how what what yeah sure thing really when we look at the application process we didn't want to make it anything like what what you can see with, with applying for a job or another accelerator things like that for us the application is really more to learn about the startup or the founder that's applying and how we can help them right and how as a founder right let's say you, you were looking to join as a member and say hey brian i really might my background's in sales. I've been a, a sales director and executive for 20 years. That That's how I know. But I don't quite know how to define my product, right? This is my first time building something. How, how do I really understand, truly understand product market fit, right? Not just from a survey of 20 people that said they would use this, but truly exhausting all different options and, and say, okay, great. That's that's maybe where we should start, right? What, what else? From an individual, are you planning on selling? Are you playing operating as a COO, CRO? How can we continue to develop that? And so the application really contains most of that information. And then we go into the actual interview and the onboarding. And so through the interview, we'll do a deeper dive into that, really look to understand the member or mentors through reasoning, right? You can write whatever you want on the application, but it's pretty easy to, our, our goal is to kind of suss out and understand, hey, is this person here for the right reasons or are they trying to use that as legion for their own company, right? Or, or anything like that. Because if so, right, we're very upfront and clear about that in terms of the rules and, and terms and conditions really of being in the community. So at that point, then if, if it's a fit and everything makes sense, we kind of review the different programs that we have, what makes the most sense, and then really schedule that that one-on-one -on -one onboarding. And so between myself, Michael, and Tyga, and the other managing partners, really the goal for us is to make sure that Everything that was described on the application during that interview call on the onboarding call, we build out kind of that mission plan for their journey throughout Gilder, whether we have members that remain with us for years to come or they're here for five or six months at a time, right? They just want to dip their toes in. So that's really the process in terms of how someone joins. And again, whether that's we've had multiple co-founders join from the same startup, a single founder join for their startup team of three, it, we make sure we kind of create that environment that drives unique value for each of them. And we're not just, you know, regurgitating the same thing over and over. 
Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And and I couldn't agree uh, with you more about uh, you know people join into the communities and that the first thing they do is advertise the business or you know to raise leads and that is not so much because you know the person who is or, or the group of people who are running the community from so long they haven't created this space for you to come and then just throw over your flat you know your your advertisement on the community it's it's a space it's a mindful space for other people to share their thoughts their experiences and then learn from each other so i i really appreciate the the way you guys are you know involving with the prospective uh members as well as mentees mentors in order to make sure that people who really really need help and understand how the works will be able to join so that's really that's a good approach to go forward yeah definitely and I, and I think that's kind of the last point on that is we want people right we want to create a space where people genuinely want to help one another right and want to introduce them to contacts within the network and things like that but Right. And, and kind of doing our research and see and poking our head into uh, dozens and dozens of other communities. You see people joining, someone's joined and the first thing they say is, Hey, like, here's my company. Like, let's partner or let's do things. And, and that's fine. But again, it's, you need to get to know someone. How, how are you going to trust that? Whether the, not even the company's legit, the person's legit, you want to work with them, they're actually driving value. And the most, it, it goes back to just basic human interaction before you're not going to meet someone on the street and immediately ask them for something or you want to make, whether it's making a friend, making a contact, making a professional referral, what have you, it's important to form that relationship first. And I, and as someone who is in many ways impatient myself, it's very important to be able to genuinely form that connection, that contact, foster it. Because again, it's, it's about Brad Felt over at Techstars has a really good philosophy with mentorship about giving first, right? And give first. And then it's about being altruistic, knowing that if you can just genuinely be there to support people and help people and you want something in return, right? You don't need to ask for it. It will come back in one way or the other. People will notice that through your actions and it's just about being a good person and a, and a good connector. So I uh, appreciate the sentiment you shared there. And yeah, that, that's exactly what we're going for. Yeah. yeah. And then, and, and there is a, there's a guy named that's Gary B. Oh yeah. yeah. And he has this say. Yeah, give, 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 and then automatically things will come back to you. Um, I've seen a couple of his videos on YouTube, and it's quite inspiring for young young generation. Mm -hmm. And it's tough because that I get it. Not everyone has the be as the compassion to give, right? Everyone's still bogged down from what they're also trying to build and paying rent and and everything that just goes on in, in life today. So not everyone has the ability to just constantly give without being able to receive. But it's a fine balancing act, and that's really where we take that process of betting in the community, knowing that not everyone's going to be able to to donate 10-plus hours of their time a week or even a month. But again, it's these little things that if you can add value, if you can add a little bit of value to one person's day or week or month or whatever, and that changes the way that they think about something or does business or helps them, right? That That's, that's life-changing in many ways. And so it doesn't need to be a complete 180 shift, but small incremental impacts and changes on the thought process are un unspeakably beneficial to an entrepreneur's life cycle. Yeah. Yeah. So would you be, would you be able to share a compelling case study that highlights how, um, uh, a person or a company, you know, joined in, in together a community and, um, potentially 
learned something or achieved a portion of their success story and solved their key business challenges. And, you know, would, would love to hear about the specific specifics about how Gilder helped them out um, in order to achieve the, the, the success or, or the milestone. Um, it would really help our uh, uh, listeners as well as be very happy for you. Yeah, of course, definitely. And a lot of, I won't go, I will give as many specifics as I can. I don't want to get necessarily too deep in the weeds for, for some of the confidentiality with our members, but really I'll kind of walk through what, what that really the 360 kind of holistic approach that we take to be able to support startups. And I'll use an example of one of our recent members who joined and they're working on essentially a startup that focuses, it's, it's their first time as a founder in this new industry. And so, right, they were, they've been a founder in prop tech and ag tech and, and a few other industries for the past couple of decades, but this was their first time really exploring hardware and IOT and some of these more uh, physical components of, of entrepreneurship. And so a lot of it says, hey, right, you could be an experienced operator. Uh, that, that translates pretty well across different industries. But there's just a lot of institutional knowledge you need to know to be a quote unquote, not even an expert, but just to be successful at the basic level when adapting to an industry. So what we typically do was we'll, we'll introduce them right as the managing partner, whether it's myself, Tiger or Michael, we make it our mission to know really every single member at Gilder, their backgrounds, their skill sets, their, their career success and where they, and they look to get value. So we'll typically say, Hey. John Smith or Sarah Jones or whoever, have you met this mentor or this mentor or this other member? They also are building a IoT gadget and device and, and have been doing this the past five years. I'm sure they could help add some value. It's those one-on-one -on -one connections. It's also recommended reading, recommended books. We have a pretty exhaustive library of different content that we'll kind of recommend and curate specifically for each member. So this member came and said, hey, like, I really want to find some more reading about this specific topic. What do you recommend? That's what we'll tell them, right? We host our own workshops, how VCs and managing partners and everyone look at this industry versus another, right? How that's, those trends have shifted over the past few years to the past few decades and provide all of these individual tools and recommendations for the founder. So that way they get that exact, okay, I need to know how to determine right product market fit how I'm going to scale and acquire customers, how I'm going to advertise, how I'm going to fundraise, how I'm going to, what my exit strategy looks like. Is this going to be a lifestyle business? Am I going to do this for the next 30 years or move on to the next thing? And really just that full process where I'm not going to pretend myself or our other managing partners or our mentors are the be all end all experts, but at least it's a group of people who have gone through that experience before in whatever that innovator is trying to build. And that's really the value that we look to create is that every person who joins, you have a team of other members and mentors that care about your success and want to be able to be there to support you because we're all part of Gilder, right? And that's really the mission that we look to bring, whether or not you're actively seeking help or whether or not you're just there to contribute and answer some questions and, and support in that way. Awesome. That's perfect. Yeah, I mean, this, this, this gives me an idea that when you're in need, get it right there. <laughs> I like that. It has some... Yeah, it's the friendly purpose you can call, right? Or, or that's that's the bit. And that's why it's fun, right? You're you're in South of London, you're in the UK, and we've got members in 
mostly North America, but in Africa and Asia and Australia and Europe. And so for us is whether or not, yes, you can learn a lot from people in different regions, but there's just a lot of good pockets of members and mentors too, to be able to get kind of that regional support as well, not just from necessarily someone halfway across the globe, but from your own own local neighborhoods as well. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. So, so c- can you share a moment with our listeners when you were faced with a tough decision, you know, of, uh, you know, accepting or declining uh, uh, an applicant to, to build a community? And uh, how did you navigate through it? And what, what, what was the um, outcome of it when you yeah, disclosed that it's like, oh, sorry, we won't be able to, you know, get you into the community because this is that is how did it go mm-hmm. and for us that's a great question that the biggest thing we look at is coachability and i would argue that's probably what a lot of whether it's hiring managers or uh, people looking for their co-founder or what have you look for is is this person coachable in the sense that they don't need to be someone that like you're trying to mentor that you need to kind of teach them everything but are they willing to accept feedback and learn and grow and and know that, right? You can be confident and, and and be an expert in your field, but know that there's so much to learn, whether you're a founder that's had multiple exits and, and multiple successful IPOs or whatever, there's still stuff to be learned. And for us, we, we don't see it too often, right? Because I think a lot of the people applying to these communities know they're here because they want to learn from other entrepreneurs and innovators and mentors and executives and, and what have you. But- that's typically the biggest thing, right? Obviously, other than the pure outliers of just like this person is clearly trying to sell something or or build their build their own brand at the expense of others. But yeah, it's again, we, we talk a lot about what led them to their journey today, right? How is their journey, whether it's at their current company, whether they're a startup employee, whether they're looking to, to build something new, how have they received feedback and, and criticism and learnings throughout their life? And if we're not... We don't necessarily rule anyone out the first time, right? We want to, our goal is to be able to try and support everyone. But if some people just aren't willing to adapt that mindset, are willing to um, kind of follow that, at least part of that give first mentality, we want to make sure they're not going to be a detriment to the community, right? Or or kind of change the cohesive and, and ideally positive mindset that the members currently have and want to be able to help. And so that that's the biggest thing that we look for when, essentially rejecting applicants or are essentially recommending other communities to them. It's making sure that, Hey, this is kind of our goal. We will continue to evolve as a community for sure, but making sure that as we kind of scale, we're doing it thoughtfully, right? We're, we're doing one of my other favorite podcasts that I listen to is called masters of community. And they talk a lot about the fine line of managing your bit, the business of the community and actually the product, right? Like what the, the value is. And today's, age where we see a lot of sales first kind of organizations, which again, isn't necessarily wrong, but it's really important for me, especially coming from a product background that we make sure there's a ton of value in what the members are receiving and the mentors and, and the total sum of community. Otherwise, how can we and sell it or get new members, right? And make sure that there's a ton of value there first to be able yeah. to ensure that everyone's having a great time and getting value of, of why they joined. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Okay, so basically, you you, uh, you you explain it to them in a way that they understand that the community is for adding value uh, from a 360-degree angle perspective. It's not for sales, it's not for something for, uh, for 
just um, getting benefit for one particular individual. It's for everyone. That's why we have to be inclusive, and that's why I make that decision. Absolutely. That and the point of you shouldn't expect to join, and, and hopefully this is just life lessons or professional lessons for everyone too, and that's, but right, you, you shouldn't expect to just kind of drop in and be like, hey, like, help me with this, or like, take a look at my my value prop or my pitch deck, or introduce me to this this per, this investor or this partner, right? Like, that's, yeah, we want to make sure we're obviously staying away from that. Or hey, if you're asking, if you, you want to unlock some opportunities for partnerships, what value can you continue to bring, right? That mindset from the get-go is something we want to make sure that we're very careful about in terms of new members and mentors, because all it takes is a handful of bad actors to make, to really change the vibe of community, right? Whether it's something in Discord or Slack or uh, your own, or circles, right? Your own kind of tool. Moderation is very important and being able to let people speak freely. We want them to be able to have that environment. And that starts with making sure the right people join from the get-go. Awesome. Yeah. Got it, guys. Speaking of like your life experiences, um, throughout your journey and experience, there must have been valuable lessons learned. You know, if you don't mind sharing, um, you know, could could you reflect on your experience with that? Tell us about uh, what one mistake or a setback that you might have encountered along the way uh, that you consider uh, not not necessarily a regret, but maybe a lesson learned. And additionally, what advice will you give our listeners based on that? Sure. That, that's uh, something I do think about uh, quite often than not. And it uh, goes back to that concept as well of that when I first arrived, when you asked about a famous quote, famous quote or, or philosophy, I like to think about it's a concept of just being able to pivot, being able to understand why you're pivoting, not just doing it for the sake of it. But that really kind of came came to bear when it was myself and my co-founder of Romley, uh, Bonne, we, we really, the initial prototype of it took about two years before we even saw our, our first customer. And that was because we were very, right, he's a phenomenal coder. He built these tens of thousands of, probably hundreds of thousands of lines of code from the API to the UX, just everything. And so for us, was, as we finally launched this, we launched it, of course, and in, in, it kind of got built. We wanted to put our MVP out there. We launched it in May of 2020. And, uh, really launching a travel app or b2c travel app in the height of covid was probably not the best timing and, and nothing that we could have obviously controlled and so we've got some great initial feedback and it worked out nicely right because this was an outdoor app where it allowed people to kind of venture in safer spaces and do that but for us it was hey we, we've spent the past close to 800 days really just hammering this out and putting together the content and the and everything for this and now we're like who at that time, right? No one knew if that was if we would be here where we are today in August 2023, right? The way things were progressing back then, and so we we made that conscious decision, say, hey, all right, well, we've, we've sunk a lot of time, a lot of resources into doing this. Do we kind of continue this path and maybe tweak the fit and or tweak the customer base and and kind of ride through that, or do we see what is working from our current customers? And, and even though it's going to take an app rehaul, right, like a, a content rehaul, we lean into that. And that was what we did back in 2021. So it took us about seven, eight months to really kind of pursue that and get it to a place where it is today. But I would say that's the biggest thing. It's it's being able to pivot quickly, but not rashly uh, or irrationally, right? Understanding what the decisions are that lead to that pivot. And do you see a sustainable future for the business with that pivot? It's mm-hmm. It depends on everyone's TAM and, and really what they're looking for with their customers. But 
that was kind of the biggest thing and the advice I'd give is as you're looking to when you when you have your idea right you you've done your research on your product market fit you've done your research on your user base I would always say and maybe some people will disagree with me I'm sure but it's always good in the very back of your mind or at least in some plan hey what's your next product or who's your next customer because that might end up having to be your core deliverable should something happen so it's always good to, to kind of you want to lean into what you truly believe in based on the research you've done but don't be afraid to have something in your back pocket should you need to pivot should maybe a vc or someone look at something that actually is more of their thesis and you want to explore that route. yeah yeah and and to be honest if you look at any um unicorn product they have started something else and they have became something else and that's no way at the uh, elegance in their own space. Yeah. Once it was a gym status app when it started. That's right. Messaging app. Uh, Instagram was something else, I guess, and it became a social network. So, you know, all these things. Airbnb sold cereal. That's right. Yeah. So it's a little bit of everything. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Okay. So as we are heading towards the end, um, you know, uh, I was thinking to go uh, into a I think round with you. You know, I've learned questions uh, with me, and I was just thinking if you could ask them as quickly as possible, and you did it like a like a game. Is that awesome? Yeah, let's yeah. yeah. Awesome. Okay, let's start it. What's one of the best pieces of business advice you have received? Best pieces of advice is just be open to learning, right? It doesn't matter if the person that is is trying to tell you something, it's not always going to be the, the best advice of the exact right thing you need to do, but take it with a grain of salt, see if there's a way you can try to implement it. And if not, move on. But there's there's definitely something to be learned from every, anyone and everyone you meet and just don't take that for granted. Awesome. What book would you recommend to our audience to buy? What book? So... For me, startup communities um, was very pivotal in terms of understanding and getting a deeper understanding. They talk a lot about Boulder and that tech community in person, but it gave a lot of the foundation that we understand for our virtual or online communities now. And so while they weren't exactly cohesive in that process, that was a great one for at least those that, that really enjoy understanding the deeper sense of community, not just business communities, but all communities. Startup Communities uh, by Brad Felt and his partner uh, over at Techstars is a, is a great read. Awesome. Uh, what's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful founder? Attributes, definitely just willpower and drive. And I think as someone, as we've all seen with hustle culture these days, right, there's, there's toxic hustle culture and, and that work environment, but being able to, it needs to be fun. At least for me, like I, I love doing this for me. It's not necessarily, I certainly my wife, to, much to her dismay, I'll love to watch as many shows or things like that. But uh, if you can find something that you truly enjoy, then you don't mind. It, it's To me, it's not even considered work, right? It's, it's about building something amazing. It's about being able to find something that you and the people you work with, right, can share. And so for me, that's a lot of, of what I do on a daily basis and being able to motivate me to kind of work past that. It's not for everyone, right? Not everyone can wants or, or has the need to work 12 hours a day or 10 hours a day, but if it doesn't feel like work, then you, you enjoy it much more. And it's just, it's about finding a nice balance between that. What's your favorite bus, bus and productivity tool? 
basketball, I would say, and basketball or tennis. For me, it's just nice to, I, as someone who, who traditionally lives on their phone and all my emails and calendars is on there, that's really the one time I get to put my phone in my bag or put on the side and just go out and play and, and kind of decompress. And at least for someone who also hasn't, I don't think I've lifted a weight in about five or six years, being able to at least do some cardio or some, some workout there is, uh, is very decompressing or, or stress relieving in that sense. Uh, what's a new or a crazy business idea you would love to pursue if you have? This is, uh, this is actually kind of came from my other partner, friend Bonnet, but we always wanted to do it. It's, this clearly probably wouldn't even make money at all, but we wanted to basically do kind of like a, a fantasy factory type thing for gambling, for like bachelor parties or whatever. You could go and bet on anything, whether it's bet on like the height of something, bet on these random games and random sports shots and things like that where you can just go and have this kind of like random experience to be able it doesn't have to be with money but just random things like that like a, a gambling fantasy factory essentially and i'm sure there's an insane amount of regulations and things that's why it hasn't been done but um for us that that was always something fun that I, at least i would enjoy being able to work on awesome awesome uh what's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know uh, and that's a good one because I, I feel like you, I, I've heard that question a lot and I, I don't think I'm a phenomenally interesting person maybe by any means, but I do know when we first opened our, when we opened our first escape room, I had not actually done an escape room prior to that. And so my partner had, and, and that was kind of the, he was the one that helped create the games. But the first time I did it, any escape room was, was our own that we built and, and kind of seeing that. And, uh, for me, the, the growth of what escape rooms this is back in like 2015 right to where it is today now you're seeing these like million dollar rooms at, at disney and a lot of these other companies and the that level of entertainment from like retail entertainment is just so fascinating and that's kind of what my hobbies and i guess i necessarily wouldn't call that a fun fact but that that's what i love to do and i think that's kind of where uh it, it helped me set this path as, as to where i am today to be able to work with other amazing innovators and people who like to do that kind of thing yeah, yeah, got it, got it. Okay, um, well, by the way, you mentioned about Disney. I heard that they're planning to sell their streaming business to Apple. Have you heard it? I've heard rumors, and I I don't think too much into it. But uh, yeah, I heard when uh, they're they're really trying to look to focus back on their kind of parks and a lot of the actual thing that got them to where they are today. Which I guess I'm not an expert in that field, but I can't blame them for trying. Yeah. Well, Brad, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your, you know, unpacking uh, your story. Um, if people want to check out kids or what, what they have to Google or what's the website? Yeah, Ash, Ash, it was a pleasure. And I would say, yeah, you can just go to gilder.com. It's G-I-L-D-R-E.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm at Brian Connor Lee. But yeah, all my socials and everything are there. Feel free to reach out. Please DM. I'm happy to love talking to people, whether it's just Hearing about what you're building or hearing what got you to where you are today, always happy to chat and connect through uh, through that method. Perfect. Awesome. Brad, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your inspiring journey and the impactful work you're doing through Gilder. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on this last stories. Thanks for having me, Ash, and look looking forward to seeing some of your other amazing guests. And it's a phenomenal, phenomenal podcast. So thanks again. Cheers. Thank you all for tuning in to the episode of our SaaS Stories podcast. I hope you found our conversation with Brian insightful and inspiring. 
If you're a founder or industry expert interested in sharing your story on our SaaS podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out. Simply email me at ashatparts.com and let's connect for a potential interview watch. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and stay updated on our future proven founders but we have a lineup of incredible guests valuable insights your way stay inspired stay motivated and keep building